Well, we're seeing some sunshine today, but uh, boy, still pretty chilly. It was a cold night last night, and uh, that cold weather warning was in effect for Saskatoon. going to be cold again tonight. Does start to warm up by the time Thursday rolls around. In fact, the roller coaster takes us to warm, very warm day on Thursday and then cools off again uh, through the weekend and into next week. So bit of a roller coaster, but at least the the very cold temperatures uh, should be out of the system here in the next couple of days. The other thing is we got a little bit of snow with this system that moved through the province the last couple of days, which is welcome for many parts of the province. We haven't had a lot of snow this year, and of course it was a dry fall as well, which means a below average spring runoff, and that's why my next guest joins us today. Sean Jakes is with us, President and CEO of the Water Security Agency here in Saskatchewan, and he is on the phone. Thanks so much for taking the call, Sean. Yeah, thanks for having me, Evan. So we haven't seen a lot of snow this year, bits and pieces here and there. And of course, it was a fairly dry year last year in much of the province. How are the preliminary runoff levels looking? You know, as you said, uh, because of the low uh, snow conditions and, uh, you know, generally dry last fall, you know, we are uh, expecting uh, below normal to well below normal runoff across the province. And keep in mind, this is a preliminary report, Evan. Yeah. So... We, we've got reservoirs, and, and I know that there was a press release uh, just this past week about the reservoir levels in the province. Where are the major water supply reservoirs that we have in the province? Yeah, we're very fortunate here in Saskatchewan. Uh, water Security Agency uh, manages 72 dams across the province, uh, and the major reservoirs that we have, uh, you know, obviously uh, Lake Diefenbaker is uh, the largest reservoir we have. Uh, we have Rafferty uh, in the southeast and the Grand Divine Dam as well in the southeast. And then we have a number of reservoirs in the southwest part of Saskatchewan as well. So tell, talk to us a bit about the importance of those reservoirs. How are they used and what purpose do they serve? I'm assuming exactly what we're talking about those years where water level is low. You know, the reservoirs are, are a great management tool for us here in the province. Uh, they help us on years when it's dry, and we've seen that in the last couple of years. Uh, they've been able to retain water and that we use in the periods when it is drier, but they also help uh, us in those years when there is excess moisture. They're able to uh, capture that water, we're able to retain it, and as well provide some flood protection, you know, downstream. Um, the water out of all of our reservoirs and our systems are, are important to our province. They, they obviously provide drinking water uh, for, for us. They provide uh, water for irrigation. They provide water for industry. And then, uh, you know, for recreation, for us to enjoy, you know, the beautiful outdoors, whether it be fishing, boating, uh, or just the cabins at the lake. So I would say, chatting today with Sean Jakes, who's the president CEO of the Water Security Agency, some agriculture benefit, obviously, to the water reservoirs, but really only those that are close enough to use an irrigation system, little benefit in parts of the province that don't have that ability. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, uh, you know, a lot of the irrigation in our province is out of uh, Lake Diefenbaker. And, you know, the the lake is a gem that we have. There's a, an awful lot of water uh, in that reservoir that can be used for, you know, all of all the uses that I indicated earlier, Evan. What? How do you measure the levels that the reservoirs are sitting at? Lake Diefenbaker, for an example, how, how do you measure that? 
Yeah, so at WSA, we are responsible. We, we measure the re- uh, levels in all of our reservoirs that we have in, in the province. Um, you know, so we, we have real-time uh, measurements to, uh, you know, uh, advise us what those levels are. And so, you know, when we saw the snowpack uh, maybe not materializing like we thought it would last fall, and we, uh, you know, with the dry conditions that we had, uh, we knew that uh, there was probably going to be less water coming in. So we changed the operating plan of Lake Diefenbaker uh, to reduce the amount of outflow to keep the water as high as we could. And so by changing that operating plan, uh, we're going to only drop the level of the lake one meter versus, you know, historically what we would drop it is four and a half meters over the winter. Sean Jakes is my Guest, Sean's the president and CEO of the Water Security Agency in the province. So you must have monitoring stations, not just Lake Diefenbaker, but other parts of the province so that you can keep almost like real-time data on water levels? Yes, we, uh, you know, we not only on the reservoirs do we have monitoring stations, but we also have monitoring stations on the major river systems that flow into the province. So it helps us uh, determine what's coming in and then how do we manage the structures that we have. Uh, so, for example, uh, we have a monitoring station just inside the Alberta border on the South Saskatchewan River. So that tells us what's coming in and, uh, you know, how do we operate, uh, you know, the structures that we do have based on that information, as well as we monitor closely what's going on, uh, you know, in our neighboring province, because most of the water um, that, that comes into the South Sask comes from, uh, you know, the snowpack in the mountains and, and rainfall that happens throughout the year. So it's uh, important for us to monitor those, uh, that information. When we're, we're talking about those exact two things you just talked about, the snowpack and the runoff that comes from that and the rain, what's the proportionate change in value that you would add to that water and, and how it impacts the province? Is significant amount of rainfall better for the province or does it have more to do with the melting that comes from the mountains? Well, I, I think it uh, you know really depends because we see, you know, Different years are different, so sometimes uh, we can have a large snowpack in the mountains, and uh, maybe just the type of snow that it is uh, may not materialize in the amount of moisture or runoff that we get. Whereas uh, if we get a, a heavy spring rain, uh, that can also that can have an impact uh, uh, on the reservoir. I think it was uh, about three years ago uh, we saw a significant rain in uh, western Alberta in the in the mountains uh, that saw a large increase or an inflow into Lake uh, Diefenbaker. So it, it kind of depends on the year, uh, Evan. The other thing we do is, um, you know, we also do, when there is snow, this year not so much because there isn't a lot there, uh, we do snow surveys to determine what is that water equivalent in the snow and what impact that will have on our water systems in the province. Sean Jakes is my guest, President, CEO of the Water Security Agency in Saskatchewan. So before I let you go, Help us understand the levers, the possibilities you have to restrict and conserve water if levels get too low. Is there ever a time that there's like conservation notices that go out to people in terms of water levels? Yeah, there there are. And I mean, as I said earlier, um, you know, we are very fortunate in the province. And as the release uh, stated that uh, most of our reservoirs are near normal uh, for this time of year, with the exception of some of them in the in the southwest um, so if we get a, a large uh, sn- uh, spring uh, snow uh, event or a, a rains, it'll it'll top them up. But if there is an event where you know the reservoir stays low and uh, we know how much water is allocated out for the different uses, 
uh, we will uh, curb the amount of water that we will allow out of it. And we've had some situations in the last uh, few years in the southwest where we've had to reduce the amount of water that's available for irrigation just because it wasn't there. Um, you know, human consumption is the priority for us, so we will always make sure if uh, communities are allocated water uh, out of a reservoir that they will get that amount that uh, they were uh, given that license for. Safe to say farmers, uh, those involved with agriculture in the province are looking for some snow, some rain this spring, water security agency cheering right alongside them, I'm assuming, for some yeah. moisture. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we do need, you know, as this snow that we had the last uh, day or so is welcomed across the province, and uh, we could use some more of it, Evan. John, thanks so much for taking some time to join us today. Thank you very much for having me. Sean Jakes, President, CEO of the Water Security Agency, telling us that reservoir levels are pretty good. They're going to release some info or some water so that, uh, you know, we have a supply that we need now. We're talking drinking water. We're not necessarily talking about water that would be good for crops unless you live in an area where irrigation is a possibility and you use that. So nothing beats some snow and some rain. We do see a little bit of snow in the forecast over the next week here, but still a lot of people crossing their fingers looking to spring and hoping that we see some good moisture in the province around then. You're listening to 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Evan Bray. Boy, man, it's been a full show today. We have covered a lot of topics. We started out fairly early this morning with Lara Fominoff, who is following the inquest into the death of Miles Sanderson. So this is a different inquest, obviously, than the one that we followed a few weeks back, which was into the deaths of the 11 people killed by Miles Sanderson. This is the death of Miles after he was taken into custody. Uh, some pretty impressive details and information coming out that probably a lot of people weren't aware of. And so Laura was able to give us an update on that this morning. We will continue to hear from her throughout the week as well. Then we got into the discussion about the Online Harms Act that the Liberal government introduced yesterday. This will be going out for debate this, of course, uh, Bill C-63 is one that is really focusing on a few different categories of harmful content, really, when it comes to sexually victimizing a child or a re-traumatizing, re-victimizing a survivor, um, content online used to bully a child, in inducing a child to harm themselves, violent extremism or terrorism, uh, all of that, including intimate content communicated without consent, so this is, you know, when people use a picture that they may have obtained. It happens a lot with kids now. They'll share intimate images of themselves when they're dating someone. After the relationship breaks up, then we see the person using that for a bad reason. They're either intimidating or sextorting the person. And as a result, we are seeing teens at a sadly young age taking their own life. Uh, we saw a 12-year-old here a couple of months ago in BC as a result of sextortion online. So there there seems to be a lot of really good stuff in this bill that is being brought forward. Now, the Conservatives have parts of it that they're concerned about, and Polyev hasn't exactly been speaking out in support of this. What does Justin Trudeau mean when he says, when he says the word hate speech? He means speech he hates. Anyone who thinks that speech they don't like is going to be 
criminalized and therefore the bill should be supported, go through that, those people should go through the, the list of their own thoughts that Justin Trudeau cons considers to be unacceptable views, and you can assume that he will ban all of that as well. So my hope is, Polyev's bringing up the point that, you know, just because you don't like something doesn't mean you can ban it or make it illegal to say. The, the whole freedom, freedom of, of uh, free speech is an important part of this conversation. What I don't want to happen, though, is politics to stand in the way of protection of our children. And so they need to find a way to pull this bill apart, Bill C-63, if there are things in there that are offensive and it's too general and too broad in nature, narrow it down if you need to do that, but find a way that we can get this passed so that it does protect our children from being sexually victimized online. This includes deep fakes, which is the new technology where you can basically create a likeness of a person and create fake images, whether they're pornographic or whatever the case may be. This is happening as well at an alarming rate. And this whole online harms bill is being focused on trying to minimize this negative impact that these types of things are happening to our children and to our community. So, you know, fair enough if we want to dissect this and pull it apart and make sure that we are not doing something that compromises that right to free speech. But at the same time, let's not just throw out all of the good with because there's one piece of bad. Let's find a way to make an amendment and get this passed. And I hope that the conservatives can see their way uh, through that as well. Uh, the, the other thing that we spent a fair bit of time talking about this morning is the teacher situation. And this is because of the fact that STF is announcing almost daily now uh, continuing rotating strike action. We're seeing it happen in, in various different parts of the province. And really what we're asking is, you know, has this latest impact of the strike on parents and students as it's increasing in the province and rotating from different regions, is it impacting your support for teachers in the province a lot of people are texting in. I didn't get to all of the texts. David and Regina, for example, said, I support the teachers 100%, but they have to go on strike full time in order to be taken seriously. So not just withdrawing lunchtime supervision, not just withdrawing extracurricular, but actually going on strike full time over an extended period of time. I don't think they can afford to do it because the union, when they go on strike, they don't get paid, obviously. The union does give them a little bit of money. Um, but I think even those war chests or whatever you want to call them, those reserves uh, will only get them so far. So I feel like that's why we're seeing rotating strikes in the province. John from Saskatoon says, any parent who doesn't support teachers and thinks they should be supervising lunch should step up, go to the school during lunch hour and supervise those kids. Teachers are no more required to do it than those parents. That is a good point, right? Lunch hour supervision isn't a part of the teacher's job. In some schools, they are doing it because it, the school divisions make arrangements and agreements with parents that your children can stay over the lunch hour and then someone has to supervise them. So teachers, as you know, they're on their lunch break, but they can put their hand up and say they are willing to do this work. They might receive extra compensation. They might receive extra time off. But at the end of the day, it's not a required part of their job. And so that is why they are pulling that as one of the options they're taking with job action. Well, 
Teacher talk is not going away. I'm sure we'll continue to do that tomorrow. By the way, we have open lines tomorrow, so we'll get some thoughts as to what's on your mind. I've got a guest from the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights and Saskatchewan's smartest radio listener right here tomorrow morning on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.